Hello and welcome to Clean Beauty Asia's podcast. I'm your host, Ali Rook. This interview series is a collection of conversations with people who operate, support, and facilitate beauty brands doing business in Asia. My aim is to provide valuable insights and information to make your beauty brand's transition into Asia as smooth and successful as possible. This first series is dedicated to cross-border e-commerce in China, and I really hope you find it valuable. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my interview series. This um, episode, we're going to talk to Holly Kim from Measure China. She is originally from Korea, but has lived in China and and the U.S. and has an extensive experience of of all three markets. Um, Now she's really focused on helping beauty brands make data-based decisions in the competitive and rapidly growing market that is um, China. So, Holly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ellie, for having me today. We've got lots of things to talk about. And obviously, Holly has lots and lots of data at her fingertips. So we could go on all day. Um, Let's let's maybe start with a bit of an overview about Measure China and how you guys help beauty brands um, in the market. Okay. Okay. So uh, what we do normally is that we track for all the um, commerce and social channels. So that by tracking e-commerce platform, we can actually know what kind of products or brands that consumer actually do purchase online. And through analyzing social media platforms, we can actually prefer, we can actually find out like understanding the unmet needs of consumers and what they actually do talk about in social media in terms of the foreign brands or domestic brands or any ideas that's going on with the um, beauty beauty related markets. Mm. Yeah. So finding, yeah. So understanding both commerce and social channels, we can actually correlate those two data together and then deliver database um, solutions for those beauty brands in Korea and also in other countries. Mm. Yeah. Great. So it really gives, I guess it really gives brands that use the the system an edge because they have that data that that it would take Mm -hmm. their teams way too mm-hmm. long to be able to do it yeah themselves. correct because like china market itself is so huge and so enormous and it is really impossible to track every single detail mm. like with with the brand managers itself mm. so impossible. with the data itself like that's how we deliver the data and then pro- i'm hoping to um help brands to make database decisions in a and then finding out the business opportunities behind them Mm, right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess based on that, then what beauty categories do you see um, an opportunity or a white space for international brands coming into the China market? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually talked about this a few days ago in another session. And um, I really think that like right now, there's two very segmented market in China. So either consumers go, go really for like luxurious brands luxurious products where they either go really for cost effective products mm-hmm. and then they will also look for what's like what's best for them what's best for their skin type what mm-hmm. what what's just my skin and all the detailed information so right now what we see as in general is that we see a bigger growth in skincare market for um, global international brands so rather than for the Chinese 
local brands. And we know that like Perfect Diary, Florence's, Color Tea, a lot of very famous um, tiers in cosmetic market are look um, for the for the local brands are very focused in color makeup rather yes. than the skincare makeup. Yeah. yeah. And right now, like pre- premium market is really rising. So such as like Essilada, Lancome, Who, Lamar, like Torasu, they uh, a lot of those kind of luxurious brands have grown like 40% compared to 2019 versus 2020. So Mm. we think that um, skincare, especially like um, skincare sets or essence or emotion that has gone really over like 40% for the past past year. So we think that these very subcategories will see um, very high growth and potential for the international brands. Okay, so luxury, international, essence, um, uh, three yeah. big, three big areas. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think we are seeing some uh, local Chinese domestic skincare brands that even some that are very old, like Patron. Like you've got, you've got ones that have become more popular recently, and mm-hmm. I guess the Chinese mm-hmm. maybe we're seeing some consumers embracing that that they wouldn't have before. But it's interesting how you segment the market like that. Mm-hmm. And you obviously China's so big, there are so many people. Yeah. And you know, yeah. everyone has their preferences. Um yeah. And, and yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting um area. So what about what about clean beauty? So clean beauty is something that you know, I personally am very passionate about, as you know, and I do mm-hmm. see some change in, in consumers in China, what they're looking for in this. But from your mm-hmm. data, what, what mm-hmm. are you seeing um, in the clean beauty space? Yeah, um, actually, like the market, like the clean beauty market isn't really huge at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, we, yeah, we see the potential in it because Chinese people, Chinese local consumers, they also do talk about like... Um, um, like very non hyperallergic products, and yeah. they want best for the um, environment also, and they don't want any harmful ingredients to affect their skin. Mm-hmm. So they that's why they um, the clean beauty market is slowly emerging in China mm-hmm. also, and mm-hmm. uh, as for like Xiaomushu or Weibo, we don't see tons of postings regards to yeah. clean beauty. But mm. we do see like the growth number of postings that's been um, talking about in social media. So that's why we, we, we found out that this will be potential, potentially it will be growing in the market. And then a lot of people do talk about like drunk elephant, mm-hmm. used to the people, pharmacy mm-hmm. and Korean brand Primera and et cetera mm-hmm. in like facial mask, cleansing and essence categories. In these okay. three categories are the most talked about markets for clean beauty. Interesting. Facial care, cleansing, and masks. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think, I, oh, and acne, sorry, you said. Yeah, I mean, I think sensitive skin is obviously a good trigger for people. If they have issues with acne or sensitive skin, then they're looking for something that won't irritate. Right. So that's, that's definitely um, right. something that I've seen as well. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, yeah, it's good to see that it's growing, but I do agree mm-hmm, it's still mm-hmm, a small, mm-hmm, it's still a small mm-hmm. area. Um, yeah, and I, I think uh, those, those C beauty brands are obviously, as we've already mentioned, they're growing in popularity. Yeah, you talked about, obviously, the ones that are most well-known in the West are the 
um, color cosmetics brands like Perfect Diary. But in the skincare space, what do you think, you know, is, is the strength strengths of the Chinese brands coming through? Yeah, um, as a general, I feel like the what Chinese brands are doing really well is that um, they target very low price strategies, make like those kind of middle and low end consumers. That's mm. what they're doing well. But also, they're also like the quality itself is going up. So they are mm. collaborating with like Cosmex, one of the mm-hmm. largest um, OEM-ODM manufacturers to actually make, feel like their brands and their products are very, very cost-effective, even though it's a low price range, but still mm. the quality itself is really, really well. So that's how they are like communicating with their consumers. And they even do marketing themselves in that perspective also. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's, that, that's the most um, interesting part for me to see in the recent years, because in the past, I didn't really see those kind of marketing keywords related to, oh, we are working with these kind of manufacturers, so you can actually trust our products and et cetera. They're very, they're very uh, marketing it, marketing their products as a concept based, but not as like trustworthy kind of mm. concepts. But mm. right now, I think it goes both ways. For C-Beauty, like, they are talking about their concepts as well as they they actually push their mark, um, their marketings with, it's very trustworthy, it's very safe, non-harmful for your skin. So many of, like, younger consumers or even elder people are also do buy those kind of um, C-Beauty related products. And lastly, I think that they do have a lot of the national pride. So, mm-hmm. the, so yeah, it, it gives them sense of like um, sense of identity when purchasing the domestic goods. So I think that kind of lies behind the consumer's mind that oh, these these brands and these say beauty products are actually do really well, works really well for my skin, and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's the catalyst, isn't it? That's the reason yeah. that the brands have started yeah. to become more popular because of the, you know, the, the patriotism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, as you said, the quality of the products has gone up. I think it's something yeah. that was shared by Lin Lin in the, in the Measure yeah. China webinar that we did together about the amount of R&D that the brand, yeah. the Chinese brand generally the percentage of investment right. in R&D is very mm-hmm. low traditionally mm-hmm. compared to um, a Western group like L'Oreal but exactly. this is changing and with as you said like um, Perfect Diary with Cosmax but other brand, other brands with Cosmax as well yeah. just that focus on the product because ultimately it's quite a clever strategy. You market, right. you invest heavily in, in mm-hmm. marketing. You really get a brand positioning, a market leader positioning. Right. And people buy your products because they're, they're new and yeah. there's a lot of hype, right? Yeah. But then if you want to, to sustain that, you absolutely have to have good products, right? You exactly. have to, exactly. you know, so ideally you launch with, with it all at once. But if yeah. you don't do that, then, you, then now is the right. time they really need to focus. Right. And also like we know that case too, like they they collaborate with like the hospital dermatologist and they even sell it in an offline hospital. Like there there is a hospital and then a little section where you can actually buy we know that products. Mm. So by collaborating with these kind of hospitals and dermatologists, 
department, it kind of gave a sense to consumers that, oh, this product is really, really recommended by the doctor and it's very trustworthy. So mm-hmm. I think I think they played really well in terms of like, one is R&D, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and also also the marketing and distribution part as well. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's an, actually an interesting one for international brands, because mm-hmm. when you're coming into a market, maybe in your home market, you do work with dermatologists or mm-hmm. doctors, you know, you have that tie up. But coming into a new market like China to create that you actually need to recreate that in the market. Of course, some of your marketing can be, okay, my, this doctor, famous doctor in the US, but actually to really connect with people, you need to do it locally. So I, I think that's yes. something that brands struggle with. And maybe at the moment, there aren't many partners that can really help them forge those relationships, yes. especially smaller brands. That can be yes. really tricky. Yes, totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, really, really tricky. Um, okay, so then thinking about trends, because that's what you guys, you know, you're experts in looking at the data and seeing trends. Mm-hmm. What are some trends that you can talk to for that would be helpful for international brands coming in um, to the market? Yeah, um, yeah, because like the um, the level of consumers in China are gone up. They they tested so many products from low price products to very luxurious products, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, like they have so many options to go with either A or either B brand, and they don't really care too much about like brand, brand um, loyalty. Yeah, brand loyalty. Yeah, yeah, brand loyalty. So what I see very um, interesting trend was um, very customized products for your, your own skin. That's one, and that's why it's uh, like skin, a sensitive skincare market is really, really rising in the market, very vibrantly. Of course, this also um, has happened due to the COVID effect because so many people are still wearing masks in China as in daily basis. Mm-hmm. So skin gets irritated, and also you have breakouts of wearing masks and etc. So I think that um, this sensitive market will will go for next for a couple of years, mm-hmm. minimum one year to very longer than that. Mm-hmm. And I, this is some similar trend that actually happened in Korea as well, because people are right now, because of polluted air and things like that, like people's skin gets really, really irritated due to like pollu- pollution. So people think that their skin is very sensitive. So they look for like those kind of derma, dermatological brands. Mm-hmm or cosmeceutical brands. And then we have this one shop called Olive Young in Korea. Mm. And um, it's kind of like a Sephora or Boots, kind of like those kind of shops. And then they we have huge section for dermatology brands. Mm. And consumers do purchase those kind of sensitive skin um, type uh, products. And that's, I don't, so I think that in general, like with the high experience of consumers consumer behavior, like they, they will really look for the products that actually suits for themselves, not just buying as in generally, you know. So I think that's the one of the um, trends that we have to actually focus in the next few years. And also like, I want to mention about the sculpt care. 
No, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Scalp care too. Because right now, like, um, not only the cosmetic products uh, for the facial products, but also consumer need in anti-aging is also rising. So yes. they think that if scalp gets saggy, your skin will also get saggy. Mm. So that there is a one saying in China that your scalp and your face is like a one skin. So that's yeah. this saying that's emerging in, in the market in China. So I think that um, consumers needs in anti early anti-aging to anti-aging is really emerging in the market mm. from 2019 to even now. And there are so many new relaunched products based on those kind of um, anti-aging benefits. So not, so I think that these are two emerging trends that we want to I want to mention in the interviewing with you. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think customized beauty is something that even in the West is sort of really it's starting to take off now. It's been there yeah. for a while, but it hasn't maybe yeah. worked. It's been a bit gimmicky. Um, mm -hmm. And now, you know, that now that's changing. So mm -hmm. what will be interesting with China is how that will actually work, right? But mm -hmm. with cross-border, especially with so many of the types of brands that are doing customization would be cross-border. Um, yes. So how does that, all those logistics and, yeah, how does that whole process work will, will, will be interesting. But I agree that there's definitely the demand there from consumers' mm -hmm. perspective. I, and also yes. uh, what... One thing that's so interesting with the Chinese consumer is that they're so well educated. They read. Oh, yeah. You know, the one that the ones that most of the brands we're talking to are targeting. They yes. read so much. They research. They know about the ingredients. Exactly. So customization has a has a lot of legs yeah. there because they're, they're, they're really interested yeah. in, in the detail. Yeah. Um, I mean, one one of the very surprising point for me was that. I didn't know like Chinese consumers were that eager to understand and learn such so many ingredients in one particular item. That was mm. a really shocking point for me. It's like the Xiaohongshu is kind of an like educational platform where um, um, big one homes to micro micro one homes they talk about even to normal consumers they talk about so many ingredients that are in one item and then why mm. and then if you are in this this kind of skin type you have to avoid it and then you cannot use certain items during the day or that I mean that was really shocking part for me yeah, mm. yeah. and I think one thing is interesting when I do the social listening for, for many of the brands that I'm working with is the way consumers talking about avoiding certain ingredients. So, you know, for mm -hmm. example, in um, pregnancy, when people are pregnant, so they're mm -hmm. looking for sensitive products that are good for sensitive mm -hmm. skin, generally looking at clean products. Mm -hmm. And the types right. of ingredients that they talk about, you know, fragrance is one that they really mm -hmm. don't want in either. And in, in the West, although if you're looking at clean skincare in, and you, you're into it, you know fragrance is a, mm -hmm. is a problem. Right. But in China, it seems like that realization is, is quite, uh, people have that early on in their clean beauty sort of discovery. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that, that's something that's quite different. And um, yeah, I just think it's very interesting that people are really looking for what's not in it. Um, yes. Because ideally, I guess ideally, they keep using this skincare that they currently use. So they want to search to yeah. see, oh, is this ingredient yeah. in this product? Exactly. Or is it? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So um, that's, uh, that's something that is, is very interesting. And 
Yeah, so I think customization has has a lot of legs, um, but it will be interesting mm-hmm. how brands tackle that in in the China mm-hmm. in the China market. So, yeah, mm-hmm. great. Um, and was there anything else that we sort of any other trends or anything else that you thought of that um, we could um, talk about? Actually, like um, one of the interesting part was that right now because the after the COVID, like. COVID hit really hard in China for the first quarter of last mm. year, right? And then China recovered really fast from the March. And mm. starting of the March, like Alibaba whole like very big, huge promotions for Women's Day. And yeah. then the e-commerce market has gradually really, really recovered so fast. Mm. And during the first, qu- first quarter of the lockdown, like a lot of um, categories has like consumers do purchase a lot on skincare skincare products um also for the mask facial mask category Mm. Mm. but right now the growth rate of these kind of skincare and facial mask categories has actually back to normal and then what what interesting interesting point was for me was that um people are very focusing on the base makeup right now so a lot of um, items related to base makeup are going up as in revenue-wise, such mm-hmm. as like um, very high coverage, but yet very long-lasting foundation. And mm-hmm. also like um, makeup fixer or makeup powder, loose powder, or or like the um, very um, packed powder where it can actually yep. um, give a long-lasting effect. Mm. And this is also due to like wearing mask. You mm. like if you wear mask, Rub. like the the makeup yeah rubs off, and then it shows kind of like um, what it, a scratch marks kind of yeah yeah yeah. So yeah. yeah, so actually like those kind of um uh, makeup fixer category was rising only in summertime, but right now it is it's it's kind of rising as in uh, as in general yeah. Mm, so I think these are the very interesting, yeah, interesting trend that we see. And yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think actually, so those two, those last two that you mentioned, so obviously the, the makeup fixes last year, we saw the recovery, but as you said, it was really mm-hmm. focused on skincare. Now yeah. we're coming back into, it's good to see that makeup's coming through, although it's base mm-hmm. makeup, be, maybe a mm-hmm. little bit longer before lipstick. Um, because mm-hmm. lipstick used to be such a, in China, lipstick was the first makeup product that people bought, mm-hmm. right? It was huge. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. huge. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's really, really big change. And then yeah. actually going back to what you were talking about before about scalp care. So mm-hmm. hair care in general, the market is becoming much more sophisticated from what I've seen. You know, it previously it was um, shampoo, conditioner, like very basic. And then suddenly, mm-hmm. and of course, it was. Chinese consumers have quite a lot of issues when it comes often when it comes to hair care. So they have dandruff rates are quite high. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. I mean, just also the logistics of having black hair, you can see dandruff so much more easily. Um, and yes. then of course, of course, the, the issue of hair loss, which happens to mm-hmm. people quite young, generally, mm-hmm. um, in, mm-hmm. in China. Mm-hmm. So it, I think there's a lot of scope for hair care brands um, coming in yeah. with innovative products. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, I've mentioned about scalp care relating with anti-aging benefit but actually yeah. people really um, did scalp care due to the hair loss 
So people were like Chinese consumers were doing scalp care because they don't they want to prevent for the hair loss. But right now the trend has been kind of um, emerging in the market about like of course you have to prevent for your hair loss, but also while doing scalp care you can also make your scalp and the face looks less sexy yes. so yes. that it, it gradually yeah it will make you look younger younger <laughs> double double yeah. benefits right great double benefits yes <laughs> i yes, need yes. i need to start and some scalp like, care i know i know that's what i thought too <laughs> so like so also for like um home dyeing like hair yes. dye market has been growing really really a lot over the past few years yeah so I think like the um um the mark the hair care market will also turn into very segmented just like cosmetic markets in China. So I think this will be something very new and something that we have to really keep an eye on in the next few years. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I think there is so much in there for people to consider. There's lots of interesting mm -hmm. insights and trends. So thank you so much. And also, Holly, thank you for talking to me on International Women's Day. And we were talking about how the uh, recovery um, with China yeah. really sort of took off from this time last year. Mm -hmm. So it's good to be, at least for China, on the other side of, on I the know. other side of the COVID uh, the COVID battle, but yes. um, thank you, thank you so much. And um, thank if anyone you so much, Ali. wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, uh, they can always contact you for the details, or you can also find me through LinkedIn, LinkedIn. at Holly Kim. Search for Holly yeah. Kim, and yeah, I'll get in touch with you guys. Okay, sure. yes, I'll put yeah. I'll put your LinkedIn link in the in the show notes All so right. people have that. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much, Holly. Thank you, Holly. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Clean Beauty Asia, the podcast with me, Ali Rook. I hope you found the content useful with tips and tricks and takeaways that can really help you move your China journey forward. I always like to hear from my listeners. So please join me on LinkedIn, Ali Rook, or Instagram, Clean Beauty Asia, and I'll be very happy to talk to you more. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.